Surely your goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Last month, a column appeared in the LA Times with this title. I thought the apocalypse would involve fewer Zoom meetings and more lava. The joke is painfully funny for many of us who have spent most of our professional and personal lives over the last year staring at our friends and colleagues over computer screens. But the joke also pokes at that tendency that human beings have always had. That when things in our common life get difficult, talk of the end of the world comes up. From devastating tragedies like the eruption of Mount Vesuvius in the year 79, to the conspiracy theories of our own time about Y2K or the Mayan calendar, the apocalypse has captured our popular imagination. And the year 2020 has provided plenty of material to stir up this tendency. Disease, violence, natural disaster, war, conflict. These are our visions of the end, of the apocalypse, the visions that fill our imaginations and fill our movie screens. But Holy Scripture takes a different view of things in the end. Sure, there is plenty of violence in the Bible, and much of it seemingly apocalyptic. But the arc of history that the scriptures provide in both the Old and New Testaments, an arc that does not ignore the violence that we seem to have always lived among, but this arc ends in promise, in peace, in life and abundance, not in death and destruction. We heard from the prophet Isaiah this morning, on this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wines. And he will destroy on this mountain the shroud that is cast over all people he will swallow up death forever. Then the Lord God will wipe away the tears from all faces and the disgrace of his people he will take away from all the earth for the Lord has spoken. Isaiah is a massive book that is actually a collection of different texts. It contains material we think to have been written by multiple people over several centuries. And this beautiful passage that we heard this morning, it comes from a small section 
of four chapters known as the Isaiah Apocalypse. And sure enough, God's judgment of the earth is a major theme. But that judgment is not the end of the story. This feast is. This promise that all people, that every nation will enjoy a sumptuous meal with God on God's holy mountain. And that everything that is violent, everything that destroys, including death, will be no more. In the end, God will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will swallow up death forever. If those words of promise sound familiar to you, it's because you've heard them in a different place. This theme is repeated in that book at the end of our Bibles, in the Revelation to St. John a book with plenty of violence itself, and one that has contributed greatly to our popular imagination of the end times, with the visions of plagues and horsemen and cosmic battles. But again, at the end of this frankly bizarre text is God's promise. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, see the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them, they will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. For the first things have passed away. You've probably heard those words at a funeral. We read this at funerals because in the end, it is God's promise to us. I wonder if going to church, however you're doing that right now, feels a bit like a funeral these days. I will admit on a personal note that preaching during this year has felt like preaching a funeral at times and not just because hundreds of thousands of people have died from this virus, but because there has been so much loss. Lost routines, lost jobs, lost traditions, forced separation from loved ones, a lost sense of purpose maybe, a lost illusion of security, for white folks, a lost fantasy that systemic racism is a thing of the past and not the present. For people of color, lost lives to police brutality and a virus that is killing people of color at disproportionately high rates. So much loss. 
And so I wonder if Isaiah's words of comfort and promise are to us these days more like a plea in our chests. He says, it will be said on that day, lo, this is our God. We have waited for him so that he might save us. This is the Lord for whom we have waited. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. We say, well, God, we're here. We're waiting. That arc of history that ends in promise, that bends toward justice in those famous words of Martin Luther King, where on that ark are we? What does this beautiful image of a mountaintop banquet possibly do for us when we look around and feel like we haven't gotten there yet? I imagine that St. Paul and the Philippian Christians felt something similar those many years ago. Paul is writing to the Philippians from prison. He doesn't say where, but he's probably in Rome, where he will soon be martyred. Paul founded the church in Philippi, and word has reached them that their beloved apostle has been imprisoned. So they've sent him a messenger with greetings, but things aren't going well. There seem to be deep divisions in the Philippian community. Their founder is in jail. And to make matters worse, we learn that the, their messenger has become ill. So ill, Paul says, that he nearly died. It's a bad situation. It's a 2020 moment for the fledgling Christian community in that place. And how does Paul respond? Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Rejoice? <laughs> this man is in prison and he's not going to get out. Rejoice, he tells them. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Here is a saint who knows the whole story. Here is a man who can see to the end of that ark. Here is someone so rooted in the promises of God in Jesus Christ that he can look through a situation of imprisonment, division, and sickness and say, rejoice. Not because everything is okay, but because Paul knows that it will be. Paul knows that the end of the story is not a world in violence and chaos, but a feast of rich food on a holy mountain.
Paul knows that the end of the story is not a cross, but an empty tomb. I don't feel like we're all together on that mountain right now, friends. We're waiting. We're waiting for so much. For a vaccine. For a presidential election. For peace. For justice. For a clean earth to make our home in for all the many worries and anxieties on each of our minds to fade. We're waiting for the Lord. While we do then, let us rejoice. Let us rejoice in the God of our salvation, in the good news of Jesus Christ. Not because we're a people of foolish optimism, but because we're a people of hope of hope in that mountaintop feast, hope in the resurrection of the dead, hope in the promises of God. Whether the apocalypse is full of Zoom meetings or lava, leave that to Hollywood. Our story ends not in disaster, but in a feast, something like good bread and good wine something like communion with God. May we say on that day, with Paul and all the saints who have gone before us, lo, this is our God. We have waited for him so that he might save us. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. Amen.